Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom is built for your psychology and your biology, meeting you where you are. Noom Weight uses psychology. That's why they say losing weight starts with your brain. But it also takes into account your unique biological factors, which also affect weight loss success. The program helps you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have cravings. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. Plus, check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available for pre-order wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 10. So this is a special show for us. This was our very first live show. Uh, it was recorded April 5th at Largo in Los Angeles. And uh, our guest was Adam Savage from Mythbusters. Super fun show. So a couple disclaimers up top. Uh, number one, this is a little bit longer than the normal podcast. Uh, we wanted to give the paying customers more than just an hour show. So there's some performances and a little bit longer of a chat than we would normally have. And then also some Q&A at the end from the audience. Also, there is swearing in this. Lots of swearing. So you may not want to play this out loud at work unless you work in some kind of swear factory. Uh, You probably also don't want to play it for kids. So we just want to give you plenty of notice that if any of that is offensive to you, turn this off now and hurl your computer into the sun. Finally, um, there's a couple little audio issues here and there. Uh, We ran a little hot off the board at Largo, but that was our fault, and we'll work on it and and hopefully uh, resolve that issue by the next time. It's not that bad, though. All right, enough blabbity and disclaimers. So here it is, the Nerdist Podcast number 10 with Adam Savage. Please like it. Now entering Nerdist.com. I have to be honest, it is thoroughly entertaining for me as a performer when I can come out and receive that kind of an intro unprovoked. (laughs) Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast Live featuring Adam Savage of Mythbusters, you guys. I'm so happy that you came here tonight. Uh, I'm just going to say a few words at your faces and and then we'll get the show moving. So I work for, um, I work for uh, G4, which is a nerdy channel. Uh, I don't know if you guys, that's about right, two people out of any 
150 will know what you're talking about. The rest are like, I'm checking out, brain-wise. Um, G4 is kind of an, is basically like nerd CNN, like any kind of nerdy thing we cover. And I get to review gadgetry, and it is awesome. I love it. All the tech toys that I love. But I literally recently reviewed the nerdiest thing that I've ever seen before in my life. You guys, it was like a like a full-on leather Ferrari racing seat with like armrests and headrests, $2,000, like had little pedals on it. For your Xbox 360, beep, beep. You guys, they might as well call that the virginity harness because you shan't be inside a woman if she sees that in your living room. You could try to have sex with her, but her body would literally reject you. It, it looked like trying to feed a fidgety toddler, like, mm-mm, nope, not going in there, mm-mm. Uh, <laughs> the nerdy stuff is awesome, and I love it, but there are downsides to nerdism, as I call it. Well, like, nerds don't really fight, you know? Like, there's no... Like, if there were a nerd fight anthem, I think it would just go like this. Nerd fight, there's no physical contact. Nerd fight, internalize emotions and go home and masturbate out of anger. We don't... I'm on a blog anonymously, nerds. Like, we just don't fucking mix it up. And I wish I could, I really do. Because as a dude, you know, sometimes you want to light some fucker up, you know? So I started taking boxing lessons a few years ago, and now, yeah, it's awesome. You know, I know how to box. So if I'm at a bar and someone's like, faggot, and then holds up two mitts, well, I could hit those mitts all day long. Sure I could, with a one-two and a left. But if he started swinging back at all at me, there'd be a lot of crying and fear pee. So I realized that as nerds, the only recourse we have is to pretend to be crazy, you know? Like, like we, adopt, we adopt a mechanism of the animal kingdom and try to pretend we're more dangerous than we actually are. So uh, what I have done is I have purchased a kind of Lord of the Rings dragon-shaped saber that I would like to carry around in the back of my pants. Uh, and that way, you know, if I'm just walking home one night and someone jumps out and says, I'm gonna rob ya. Or, I mean, I don't know if they sound that way, but... <laughs> Pretty sure they don't sound like an old West prospector type. <laughs> Give me all your gold, gold. All right, they don't sound like that. But whatever they say, you know, I'm gonna rob you. I will, I will say, they told me you'd come, extract the sword, slice myself across the chest and say, the prophecy is almost complete. <laughs> See if they hang around. Then I'm gonna hop on the back of a tiger and ride off. Yeah, that's right. I'm gonna ride a fucking tiger as my mode of transportation. Who would fuck with you if you're riding a tiger? Nobody, that's who. You could ride through a mall dressed like a mermaid with a cape made out of dicks and no one would say a word. Are you kidding me? A tiger? How do you think He-Man got away with a page boy haircut and a leather halter top? He's riding a fucking tiger. A green one. I don't have any kids, uh, or cry pods, as I call them. Uh, 
I don't mind kids. Then you see like like the Duggar family of Arkansas with their 19 kids. 19? 19 kids. Really? Have you seen the, the Duggar family? Okay. 19 kids. It's the, obviously, the woman is convinced she needs to fertilize every egg her body produces. Because she's literally been pregnant most of her adult life. Do you even know by the time you're having your 19th baby? Are you even aware? Or does your body just turn into some kind of DQ vanilla soft serve machine where you just belch out organisms? There's another one. Put a shirt on him and send him in the corner. I honestly think the Duggar family's ideal situation would be to give birth to a pregnant baby as, <laughs> as part of their fucked up human pyramid scheme. <laughs> but it's, you know, like, I'm in my mid to late 30s and I feel like it's time, that's, please don't laugh, that it sucks. Oh, it sucks to turn 35. 30's not weird. 35 is where it gets weird. That's where you start checking a whole different box when you're filling out surveys. You used to get that sweet 18 to 34 year old box and after that it's just, 35 to corpse! Like no one gives a fuck anymore. <laughs> so now I feel like I should, if I'm gonna have kids, I should seriously think about doing it because kids who are the product of old sperm, they are not right in the head. <laughs> The fresher the mayo, the better the sandwich. That's a very simple formula, you guys. You know, because all my friends growing up in school, like D&D club, chess club, Latin club, anything that made vaginas go away, I was away into. And the, uh, like, you know who the old sperm kids are. Because young sperm kids, you see them in gym class, they run all strong from their core, you know? But old sperm kids, it's all limbs. It can happen. My nerdiest friend, his parents were in their 50s when he was born. Which isn't, that's not even like a, uh, whoops. That's more of a, that still works. And then there he was, there he was. He was so odd, like just in weird ways. Like he would swallow in really weird places and sentences that just made him seem kind of expired. You're like, hey guys, we're gonna go down to the Burger King. You knew you were about to start talking. Couldn't do a little swallow preparation, Terry? <laughs> I don't, I will drink a lot of water. I don't drink uh, alcohol anymore. Oh, uh, boo, boo, fucking boo. Every time, seriously, boo. Even though you tried to straighten out your life, boo. Even though you woke up one night in the floor of a strange apartment with your dick in a shoe, boo. That is not a joke. All right. Um, <laughs> it's not my fault, sir. I saw an opening and a tongue, and I was really hammered. And was fucking... <laughs> Shit happens. But when you're sober, it changes all of your experiences in life. Like I, like I don't go. To, I hate Vegas now. Vegas sucks, as far as I'm concerned. Because when you're sober, you really see the Matrix code behind Vegas. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it sucks. Vegas to me is a lot like a stripper pole. It's all shiny when you look at it from far away, but when you get really close, it smells like poop and sadness. That's pretty much all it is. I, I find it interesting that we're so obsessed with celebrity culture in our society, and I'm guilty of it. I like, I do the Chelsea Lately show all the time. I, you know, I look at the Perez Hilton blog, too. I'm fucking guilty of it, and I apologize, but I am. 
And it's funny to me that we're so obsessed with what a bunch of like drunk starlets do with their free time. You know what I mean? Like I really keep hoping that it's a part of some government-funded conspiracy that's devised to divert our attention away from serious shit they don't want us to know about. Like if someone ran to the president's office and said, Mr. President, there's a housing crisis. The banks are in the toilet. What do we do? All right, we need a media diversion. Call in the slut squad. And they run in. All right, uh, Lindsay Lohan, I need footage of you blowing a guy on a camera phone. I'm on it. All right, Brittany, I need you to shave your sniz and wag it around in a movie premiere. I don't think I can do that. Goddamn it, soldier, you knew this job was difficult when you took it. Now man up and lose those panties. All right, Paris Hilton, I need you to speak publicly. <laughs> it makes me think that that that's always happened throughout history, that the president has kicked the media's attention away from things. The president has that power. And I'm, there's so much shit we don't know about you guys because he has invoked that right. Like, for instance, if Lincoln had been gay, because there were rumors, uh, if Lincoln had been gay, do you think we ever would have known if there was some sort of a press conference? Uh, president Lincoln, there are rumors that you're a homosexual. Oh, really? Well, okay, uh, <laughs> slaves are free, slaves are free, <laughs> yep, off you go, slaves are free, oh my god, sir, did you just free the slaves, oh, I don't remember, did I, because, uh, uh I've been shot, yep, I've been shot in the head, <laughs> just a straight man trying to enjoy the theater. <laughs> I also, uh, in addition to getting older, I also find that I don't shop at the same places I used to shop at anymore. Like, I used to love to go to the Abercrombie and Fitch store. And, uh, can't go near them anymore. Now they're just these weird nightclubs designed to scare old people away. <laughs> the one at the Grove is like three stories tall and it's dark and it's ominous and there's two rich shirtless dudes standing out front guarding it like it's some kind of gay space palace. <laughs> And they're pumping all this cologne out in front of it that smells like date rape and gets in your eyes and you accidentally wander in and there's this thumping techno music that's just gayer than cum on a mustache. And it's just like... <laughs> not a judgment, just an observation. You really expect to see people doing rails of coke off the folding tables while vampires are feeding on Asian schoolgirls in the dressing rooms while the ghost of Oscar Wilde is blowing the ghost of Andy Warhol on the back of a unicorn with a dick for a horn shooting rainbows onto a Project Runway marathon. Well, with that, I would like to introduce... Uh... <laughs> Actually, I'll be honest with you. I, I've been doing the Abercrombie and Fitch show for a while. Someone actually put on my Wikipedia page, yes, I've seen my own Wikipedia page. Someone actually put on there, uh, his most famous quote is gayer than come on a mustache. Like, really? I haven't said anything better than that in my life? What I'm about to say is uh, way better than that. I would like to welcome the two co-hosts of the Nerdist Podcast, Jonah Ray and Matt Myra are here. Welcome. I don't know, sit wherever you, sit wherever you want to sit. Sit, uh, so 
should we flank? Should we flank? Should we flank you? I don't know. I don't. We've never done this before. I think you should sit wherever you feel. I want to sit in the end because that's the control seat. I want to sit on the end because I'm tubby. All right. <laughs> I. That now it's awkward for everyone, Matt. Oh, it's now it's hilarious. Fun. Okay. What? Uh, <laughs> now, Matt. Oh, loud. Oh, sensitive mic. I'll stand back here. Stand? I'll stand with my ass on a chair. <laughs> I don't understand how sitting works. You guys, uh, are we allowed to talk about what you do in life, Matt? Uh, we could say arbitrarily that I work for one of the larger corporations that may be named after a fruit. Uh huh. <laughs> so you work for the Pineapple Computer Corporation. I work for a place that does stuff that's cool. Mm hmm. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the stuff is cool, but the stuff they do, I'm pretty sure it's really nerdy and boring for the most part. You're on the Nerdist Podcast. <laughs> oh, is that what this is? What did you think this was? I don't know. I just heard there was free beer. All right. <laughs> Matt uh, Matt works for the uh, the fruit-based computer corporation, and um, I just reviewed... I'll start the corporation now. Does it run on fruit? Like, can you, like, push stuff into the back of it to make... You can't open up any Apple products to push anything inside them. <laughs> That's what nerds are mad about. <laughs> <laughs> All you need is a double O. That's a screwdriver, guys. What? No, never mind. Never mind. Well, this isn't fucking Top Gear. Why don't Shut you up. save your screwdriver, Top? I need some. I need one of the double O's. You, uh, you, you. <laughs> Quickly, name something else. No! Rockford Files! Erie, Indiana! Wow. What? Wow, as in you can't We spent our Sunday watching Erie, Indiana. <laughs> I'm not lying. No, that's what we did. All right, before I talk about fruit-based computer systems, uh, any Doctor Who fans out there? <laughs> I was very worried because David Tennant is so fucking amazing. The but new guy has a giant jaw. He does. I cannot stare at it. He has a giant jaw and an emo haircut. Have you seen the billboards are Matt everywhere? Smith. Yes, I've seen them. And his jaw is still disturbing. It is. His, ja his it. jaw houses a mini TARDIS in which you can... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's a nerd joke. It's bigger inside. <laughs> every, time he every time he opens his mouth, it just goes... It's <laughs> on <laughs> um, Netflix. Watch it. It is pretty amazing. Yeah, you can stream it on Netflix. If you have not watched the new Doctor Who, uh, it is phenomenal. And by new, it's five years old. But to Americans... <laughs> to, us, to us goddamn pie eaters over here in America, it's brand new. But, uh, but I want to talk about the iPad for a sec, because... I reviewed it today on Attack of the Show, and and I oh please tell me you use the word Irad. I what? Did you call? Did you say it was Irad? No. Why would I do that? I woulda. Oh, that hurts my tummy. I'm a fan of the word. Um, I reviewed the iPad, and and in general, I liked it. You know, like it's I really it is a gorgeous device, and I got in a fight with Twitter, uh, <laughs> which you do a lot. Here's the problem, man. I, I, okay. Here's what I like about Twitter. I love, I love Twitter. I, I, I love it. I think it's a great tool. I enjoy it. You know, I'm, I'm on it a lot. Um, and the problem is that every once in a while, a few tweets will sneak through that just get way under my fucking skin. And so when you multiply that by like 30 or 50 where people are just needling you, yeah. someone then you just, you just explode at Twitter. So I said I love the iPad. I thought it was a gorgeous device. 
And then instantly, uh, there was a lot of like, you just got him followed, dude. Fuck you. How much is Apple paying you? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I just said I like a thing, and that tipped it in the unfollow direction? You can't, you can't like new things on Twitter. No, well, you can't like, because it's, you know, I think part of, it's, the iPad is an interesting hot button. Are you guys excited about it, or are you angry about it? That is lukewarm. <laughs> that is lukewarm at best. That's like okay to bathe a baby in more. Not even. Hot water will not burn babies. No. No hot water will burn babies. And for those of you listening to the podcast, that not only did they say man, but they did that hand wag. I'm not sure if you can hear the the whisping of wind going you might, between whoop, the fingers. Whoop. That was the that was the, the, crowd, the crowd's dark, but all the arms that did that were pale enough. For me to <laughs> you can see them. White people catch just amount of, just the right amount of light uh, in a darkened theater. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I just realized that'll make no sense. You know what's amazing about it? It's amazing to watch to watch hip young nerds kind of go into that irony loop because I saw a guy right here do it like awkwardly on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I want to do this, but too. I'm not. I'm not going to do it right because I'm a hipster. Like, <laughs> even even the, even the man, he's not going to commit to. I don't want anyone to think I'm committing to a thing. Um, <laughs> by the way, I just got a really sweet growing pains T-shirt online. Ironically, of course. <laughs> It's the worst. It's the worst to enjoy things like genuinely. It's impossible anymore. Yeah, We're in the age of irony. You live in the hive, though, in Silver Lake. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of true. What are you talking about? <laughs> you're just you're just one shave away from that ironic mustache that's so necessary in Silver Lake. Don't, here's the, here's the thing. Like, it's like I wanted a mustache growing up so much. Like, so, like, weirdly, I wanted a mustache. And then when I was finally able to grow one, all of a sudden I start hearing the ironic mustache being thrown around all the time. And for me, it was just... Oh, like, boy, I wish I could walk down the street without hearing that old gem. <laughs> Where do you hear that all the time? He lives in the hive. I, yeah, exactly. No, I just, I, you know, because my, my friends are hipsters, I guess, and they all claim to not be. That's the whole thing. It makes you even more of a hipster if you say you're not a hipster. No. What? Yeah. That's part of it. It's true. Part Are you a hipster? No. You're wearing... <laughs> You're wearing fucking Harry Crane's glasses from Mad Men, for Christ's sake. No, see, when I, when, oh, I, when, here I comes. This, when I had to get glasses, I was in the fourth fucking grade when I had to get glasses, and I told my mom, I want Garth glasses. Oh. I, wanted, I wanted thick frames, all black all around, and I've grown up since then, and I've just uh, just black almost all the way around. I thought you were going to go in that direction that I feel like uh, young in denial hipsters go, where they want to tell you how long ago they heard something first. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I put th these glasses. My dad came on these glasses and into my mom, so it was like, <laughs> so like right from the point of conception, I had no, these. I'm not, I'm not saying that I was before anything. I just said like. Like, I was into comedy, okay. and I was into, like, right. Garth Algar. That's fair. And it's odd now that I'm a fucking psychic. That's <laughs> <laughs> the prophecy. Is uh, like to me. You're fired? <laughs> yes! Whoa! <laughs> In fairness, you're fired, too. Yes! Yes! <laughs> Wait. No. You're in Indiana, my house. Uh, well, I, I just I, I want to know why people are so angry at the iPad. I feel like part of it is there's this weird sort of consumer backlash that we're in the middle of a recession, and then a company like yeah. Apple comes along and says, "Here's an expensive, shiny new toy," and people are like, "Don't fucking tell me you want something now! I don't have any money." 
oh, you're sick? There's this awesome party going down. It sucks that you're so sick and can't go to the party. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is, that, is that kind of what it is, or are you guys worried about the Apple kind of walled garden of software? Walled garden. <laughs> walled garden. <laughs> well, I'm glad we straightened that out. <laughs> I like it. I, you know, it people just... were just so passionately angry. I mean, like, you know, the people who love it love it, and the people who hate it are fucking. And they're the people who are that always like, I'm not buying the first of anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Sir, Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> did you think this was Parliament or some kind of town hall? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, the man in the first row, please. Hey, oh, no, 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 no. Will you please recognize the gentleman from Echo Park? <laughs> <laughs> I just think people don't need to be so angry about it. It's a nice device. It's a toy. It is, sti- it is still a toy. It's a gorgeous toy. You yeah. don't need it. You don't need 90% of the shit. Like, someone was like, why do I need this? I'm like, you don't need anything. You don't need a TV. You don't need half the All shit. All right, hippie. Whoa. <laughs> All I'm saying, man, is can't we run our cars on flax crackers? <laughs> a perfect name for a vegan clown? <laughs> The face makeup is all animals. You can't test this on animals, man. <laughs> That's why my face is burning up. <laughs> Sometimes we'll have to write some flax cracker songs on a later podcast. Flax cracker? Sassarilla? Sassarilla? And the summertime. I like it. Oh, fun stuff. Well, um, I feel like uh, these people have been patient enough. and so I, I just go? I would love to... No, no, we shouldn't leave. Is that what you're saying? I think we should continue the show and bring out our guest. Might as well. You want to do that? I want to do that. Ladies and... Are you, is he ready back there? Is he all ready? I got the high side. Pre- should we preface? Because everyone already knows who he is, right? Well, what kind of a preface did you want to... What are you thinking of? I <laughs> Here's the weird part about the live audience. It's a <laughs> they react to things you say. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> That's good, Jonah. Tell them you don't like them. Get them on your side. No, no. <laughs> no, it's the idea of them. <laughs> you. It's only your very existence. <laughs> By the way, Adam did say, say whatever you want. Just make sure it's the longest, most awkward intro anyone's ever gotten ever. Done. <laughs> Uh, let me set up the mic for him because he's actually going to come out and uh, he's going to perform. I think he's going to do stand up for the very first time. <laughs> Make sure it's centered. OCD, touch, touch. All right. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I wish <it> <laughs> Shut your face! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know my, uh, my, our next guest from his, uh, his very own show, Mythbusters. Please welcome Mr. Adam Savage! <laughs> he 
you guys just going to stand there like a Greek chorus? Yes. <laughs> this works, right? Perform for us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, son, it's just too loud. <laughs> <laughs> I think my kids know what cocksucking is. <laughs> Not firsthand. I want them to grow up with all the advantages that I have. And I was raised in the 70s, which means I was raised by wolves in upstate New York by bohemian parents. We befriended the very first gay couple in Westchester County, Bob and John, they were party throwers. <laughs> and I was raised on a steady diet of really inappropriate European films with subtitles, tits, and cursing. <laughs> so I take my kids to a lot of inappropriate movies. And I'm starting to rethink that policy. <laughs> so I got this call from the school last week. My ex-wife got the call and she called me because the teacher was really pissed off because apparently one of my, I have twin 11-year-old boys. One of them, Thing 2, had apparently been in class with a, a good little girl who went like this. She went like this. And my son, Thing 2, said, oh, don't do that. You know what that means. The teacher said, what does that mean? And apparently, my son said, blowjob. <laughs> so I met him. So, you know, how am I going to deal with this? I figure I'm going to meet him at his therapist's office tonight. That's how serious I am. So I meet my son at his therapist's office, and I say, do you know why I'm here? And he said, is it because I made this symbol to my mom last week? And I'm like, no, but we're going to talk about that too. <laughs> no, it's because of what happened today at school. Totally blank stare. What, what, do you, what happened today at school? Blank. Why would your teacher have called me today? Still blank. Okay. Why would, did your teacher get mad at you today at all? Because, oh, yeah, because of this? <laughs> Demonstrating, I think, that my son has a clearer understanding of a blowjob than his teacher. <laughs> and that he thinks it's okay to do this in front of me. When he has no practical experience in that. <laughs> so about a year and a half ago, it was Christmas time, and we were buying some gifts at the, at the Mark Jacobs store. And Mark Jacobs provides condoms for all their customers. My son thing too says, hey, a condom. And I say, put that back in the bowl. And he says, he immediately sees in my eyes that it's like there's a point there. And he goes, condom, condom, condom. <laughs> and that same week, I had heard that my other son, thing one, had said to some kid at school, don't spit on me, you'll give me AIDS. <laughs> And then I also had a meeting with Thing 2's teacher in which she told me that he had apparently gathered a whole bunch of kids around him and he said, check this out, when you get older, you have a girlfriend and you have sex with her. <laughs> so I, I, that was the time I figured it was time to have a sex talk with them. So it was like Friday afternoon, I gather them in the living room and they sit down and I say, look, I'm talking to you because Thing 2, you know, you said condom. Thing one, you said the AIDS thing. Thing two, you said the girlfriend and the sex thing. Do you have any idea what sex is? And said, yes. No, you have no idea. <laughs> and kids, if you don't have kids, at 10 years old, 11 years old, they actually have really already really good at giving you nothing to work with. They give you this totally blank, like they don't want to give you any purchase. So they're sitting there with this blank look, waiting to see how bad this conversation's going to be. And I say, okay, well, look, 
I, we're going to have more conversations about this in the future, but I might as well fill you in on some of the basic mechanics so you know what you're talking about. <laughs> See, and I say, a man has a penis. You know you guys have a penis, and a girl has a vagina. And they immediately start going, ha, 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 ha. And they both grab, as I continue on with this, like, very kind of graphic description, they both end up grabbing pillows and holding them in front of them like shields, <laughs> looking over these pillows like shields and kind of holding on to them like this. And I'm feeling pretty much the exact same way. And I'm like, and then the man injects genetic material into <laughs> Which is how we make new babies. Now, the genetic material is important because it makes babies, but there are ways to prevent genetic material from making babies, and that method is called birth control. There are people who don't believe in birth control. We call them idiots. <laughs> but I really, yeah. One of the ways that you prevent babies from happening is you physically prevent the genetic material from getting into the lady with a condom. That's what you picked up at the Mark Jacobs store, dude. It's a condom. And it's basically like a, like a balloon for your penis. <laughs> and they both kind of... <laughs> and thing one goes, like a... Like a balloon? You literally did that. And I said, no, 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 it's a balloon in the, it's not a balloon like you blow up, it's a balloon that's actually in the shape of your penis. And the other one absolutely does this right away. So it's this big? But six months later, I'm picking them up at daycare, and the daycare teacher says, think two's in real trouble. He, uh, he told Carol's mom, he called Carol a whore. Actually, he didn't call Carol a whore. He told Carol's mom that he had called her a whore several months ago. <laughs> there, sometimes you have to just park these things and let them sit for a while. So I let him stew on that, and I didn't deal with it until the end of the night. I climbed up the bunk bed. He's in bed. He's had to go to bed a little early, and I say, okay, so is this true, you... You told Carol's mom that you'd called Carol the whore several months ago. He said, yes. And I said, what, what were you thinking telling Carol's mom that? And he said, and he literally did this. I know, that's what I keep asking myself. <laughs> like a character from the Rocket Files. Oh, why did I do that? And I said, do you even know what a whore is? And he says, no. <laughs> and I'm really embarrassed that I call her a word and I don't know what it is. <laughs> he tends to take this really deeply. And I said, okay, well, a whore is a person who exchanges sex for money. They have sex with people and they charge money for it. I thought that was a hoe. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Adam Savage. Hello. Oh my God. Uh, All true. Every was, last bit of it true. Yeah, but that was your first time doing stand-up stand-up. That was. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> Uh, 
And uh, my heart is pounding. That's intense what you people do. That's the race that you get afterwards. That's the rush. <laughs> Secondarily, uh, fuck yourself because my first time was not that awesome. <laughs> <laughs> my first time was a lot of. I just thought that was funny. <laughs> I'm moving on. Afterwards, people were like, you were really brave to get up there. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm going to fucking make it happen. But that was gorgeous, man. That was awesome. Um, I, I, did you always decide to stand up something you probably wanted to do for a while then? Absolutely. I, I, some of my greatest heroes growing up with, like Steve Martin, were stand-up comedians. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my favorite actors are stand-up comedians. I've been in the public eye for seven years doing this show. I actually got my start as a child actor. So I originally wanted to be a performer. I was going to ask you about <clears throat> um, your uh, pivotal role as Drowning Guy in Billy Joel's You're Only Human Second Wind video. Yes. <laughs> Although- That's where I saw you! Yeah! <laughs> On the force! <laughs> it's a tough call, but it is absolutely the worst of all the Billy Joel music videos. That, that, that video is on the Enhanced Billy Joel Volume 1 and 2 Greatest Hits Collection. What the fuck, man? You're welcome. <laughs> I will tell you, that when I, my, my wife didn't know that I was in this until, I don't know, we'd been married for a couple years. Well, it's something like, you don't want to tell her before the wedding. <laughs> she, here's how bad the video is. When she finally saw it, I like, got it up on YouTube, and I started playing it for her, and I drowned. And she goes like this. She goes... Okay, are you in any more of this fucking thing? Because I can't take it anymore. <laughs> do, you guys, do you guys remember the video at all? Do you remember the video at all? Basically, this young kid... It's, and it's, it's a wonderful life. It is. It's a wonderful life. But Billy Joel shows up as this kind of, like, rapey guardian angel <laughs> in a trench coat and a hat and yeah. glasses. And then you're... And then he's showing the guy that, you know, he saves his life. For right. The, I'm Harry, who... You were uh, the same Harry. Exactly. Yeah, I'm that, Harry. I drowned. That was you. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> but excellent drown work. You did there. I mean, I don't. Did it actually say under special skills in your resume flailing? And they were like, we got to get this guy. No, no, no. I, really... I actually I, I went up for that audition. It was like my third audition, and I went up for it against my best friend in high school. Yeah. Fuck that guy. <laughs> Where is he now? Yeah. <laughs> Not in a Billy Joel video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I had these round glasses that were really, really geeky. They were actually the glasses from a pig nose. No, no, not. They were like (laughs) literally round with a pig nose. And I pulled off the pig nose and I brought these glasses because they said they They were novelty glasses. What's that? They were novelty glasses. They were novelty glasses. And so they hired me based on the glasses. Mm -hmm. And the very first thing I had to do on the very first day was go out into the water and drown. And the first thing I did was put my head under and lose the glasses. Oh. So they had to take somebody, they bought somebody's Ray-Bans and they popped them out. And in an amazing bit of prescience, they put Ray-Bans on my character. Not so nerdy anymore. No. Now it's the cool kid who's fucking drowning. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta say, what the fuck? <laughs> Man, that guy's cool under any circumstances. <laughs> He's the coolest fucking drowning guy I've ever yeah. seen in my life. So your um, so you your your family are you're very creative and artistic. Did your your dad um, worked on? Did, I read he did stuff on Sesame Street. My father was uh, actually uh, got to start in advertising. He was a, actually okay overarching. My was father, he a madman? He was he was pre madman. Oh my oh, god! Oh no, po- he's sorry, post madman. Oh okay. He's like. If you mm. went five years forward from Mad Men, my dad would be like the bohemian guy they hire who's like directing all the commercials. That right. could be next season. They jump every year. <laughs> um, so he was a painter, first and foremost. He painted through my whole childhood. Um, 
paintings, not houses. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, this is Bob Creator. Yeah. Uh, was in advertising throughout the 60s, and by the time I was born, he'd gotten out of advertising because he couldn't stand it, and he uh, raised us to directing, animate, animating and directing all entirely uh, animated spots for Sesame Street. He did about 50 of them. Did he do 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 12? No, no, ah. he did. He, I wish. No, he did. Harry likes to eat, eat his lunch high in the sky. Oh, that is not a bad Harry, one. you forgot your lunch. Um, These are all classics, guys. Look them up on YouTube. <laughs> and then when I was about, I guess, 10 or 11, I did a bunch of voiceovers for them. And I still get, I get checks from the Children's Television Workshop for about, at this point, I think my last one was $7.50. Nice. Oh my gosh. I still got to feel pretty shitty, though, that they're giving you money. Can you just give it right back? They, they must need it more than you. <laughs> I go right out and buy a fucking burrito. <laughs> Children's Television Workshop, this is Adam Sams. I'm going to blow that fucking place wide open. <laughs> I know you've been showing guy who passes fruit to different ethnic kids on the side of the street. <laughs> and I want what's coming to me. It ended up being on my Wikipedia page and it said my dad, it got conflated to the point where it says on Wikipedia, I think that my father was a Muppeteer. Oh, wow. Which is totally not true. <laughs> um, but you try it, Jake. I have. doesn't work. Yeah, no. I, Jonah's Wikipedia page says he's dead. Yes. <laughs> I had that happen, too. They do that to you, too? If you do a Google search, Adam Savage, so I've heard. Uh, <laughs> the, the first thing it says is, is married. And the second thing it says is, is dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a bad SEO, as we call it in tech <laughs> Search engine optimization. Um, so what? So you started as an actor, but then what uh, was the transition? You know, into like myth busting? Yes. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I started as an actor. I uh, auditioned for commercials and stuff from the ages 15 to like 19. Mm -hmm. I was living in New York. I'd gone to NYU and pretended to attend classes for about a year. Uh, what did what? What did you study at NYU? I was at the Experimental Theater Wing of the Tisch School for the Arts in the Drama Department. Ew! Yeah. <laughs> just, just down the hall from Philip Seymour Hoffman. He was in my class at the time. Really? Yeah. And I... I, I, I don't know. I was such an asshole back then. <laughs> well, it doesn't I, sound like I, it. I, oh, my God. Philip Seymour Hoffman and all in the there, Tisch School. There was some point at which about three years after I got out of NYU, it's been like 88 or something, I'm walking through Washington Square, I run into a couple of kids I was in class with. And I, at that point, I was living in Brooklyn, I was kind of, I had a good job, I was feeling pretty good about stuff, and I was a lot more stable than I was when I was 18 and just moved to New York. But the, I could see on their faces that they were astonished how much, they literally their face painted this picture of, you are so much less of an asshole now. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's really clear that they were like, wow, you've really grown up. It's got uh, <laughs> to be a good feeling, right? <laughs> it was bittersweet. <laughs> um, so I decided, I, I dropped out of the Tisch School for the Arts, and I managed to get a job doing assistant animating for a company called the Ink Tank. They did all the um, those old squiggly line Perrier commercials. Oh, yeah. Bob Blackman turned out to be somebody that uh, who ran the Ink Tank was somebody my dad gave one of his first jobs to. So Bob hired me to be an assistant animator. I worked there for about a year, and that led to... Motherfucking nepotism in the house. Absolutely. <laughs> And so that led to a whole series of jobs of making things. So this and business is who you know? <laughs> <laughs> this business is who you know? It sure Absolutely. is. So like, let's say, for instance, that someone that you know at, a, at, a, at an Apple store traded in an iPhone that was broken for you, and then you were like, hey, guy, you should be on my podcast. <laughs> I would not. <laughs> 
never happened. That never happened, though. No. Um, <laughs> so, so then you were, so then you worked for. What was the transition to ILM? Like, what was what was in uh, all that stuff? I had been wanting to work in special effects since I was no years old. Uh-huh. I mean, that was the that was that and designing for Lego. No years old does not compute. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So uh, I had tried to work in special effects several times. There were several shops in New York I tried to work for. Really had bad experiences doing that. So I just kept on getting jobs making things in other industries, but delving occasionally into special effects. And I moved out to San Francisco, got work in theater. And theater is like the greatest industry for the underambitious but talented. Mm-hmm. Because you can literally apply yourself to anything you want. I was a rigger, I was a lighting designer, set builder, painter, actor, everything. I was trying all of it. And eventually I got this reputation for being able to build weird shit that no one else could figure out how to do. It's so true. And like, honestly, uh, Adam, did you, did you run blogging, blogging the Deckard gun that you uh, that yeah, you built? Yeah, yeah. Did you guys see the gun that he built from Blade Runner? <laughs> But you know when you when you emailed the pictures, you showed you showed all the different iterations and how it evolved from when you first started. I built my first one at nineteen. Yeah. So what was I mean? You, you just you saw the gun and you were like, I must have you, and so you built it. Well, it's, it's where do you start? Um, for me, I went to the Tisch School of Theater. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have always the building things has always been this natural thing, and so has performing. So Mythbusters is the perfect job. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the building thing stems from wanting to have things, wanting to hold things really specifically. It's not from wanting to make them. The making of them is secondary to wanting the experience of holding on to the real Blade Runner gun in my hand. Mm -hmm. When I, that one that I blogged, it went to Gizmodo, wrote Mm -hmm. it, and Boing Boing also. And, uh, I, I didn't know, don't know if I wrote this in that letter I'd sent out, but when I first finished assembling the Blade Runner pistol, and this is only about a month ago, I carried it around the house for like six hours. <laughs> I walk upstairs, put it on the kitchen counter, make a sandwich, oh, pick it back up, go down, watch Little American Idol. What was a what was a bigger moment in your life, holding that gun or holding your firstborn? <laughs> no, holding my firstborn. You had to wait though. You had to wait. No, a little bit of a pause. No, I just was shocked at the question. <laughs> Um, I, on the other hand, (laughs) would rather hold that gun than your firstborn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. At least he's on. It's all all perspective, really. I want to... Did you ever actually hold the actual Deckard gun? I am... Blogging about that Deckard gun got me introduced to the person who bought it. Oh, my gosh. They bought it last year at auction for $258,000. Worth every penny! (laughs) (laughs) And they, they... They've asked me to keep them anonymous for now. They plan to open a museum of film memorabilia because they have some really amazing pieces. And uh, later on in the summer, I'm actually taking a trip to go meet it. Oh, my God. So I'm actually going to bring mine. And because it's problematic to transport even a gun-shaped thing over state lines, I'm taking it entirely apart and shipping it in in pieces. Oh, that won't raise any red flags. (laughs) (laughs) Like Malkovich and In the Line of Fire. I have one of those, too. You have that one, too? I have put the bullets in the bunny keychain, and then you're good. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. I I would totally mod mine to work with the Xbox. Like, when you put little things on the end, like, you go over to someone for network game, and you're like, I got this one, and you just fucking... (laughs) That's that's gorgeous. That uh, and so when is this going to happen? And when? when uh, sometime you... in the summer, I'm going to I'm going to travel to the unspecified location where the owner is. 
Oh. And I'm going to be introduced to the real blade. I, I talked to him on the phone for about an hour. I had a question for him. Like, what was the right side cover made out of? And he goes, hold on, let me get it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to get it. He's holding it while I'm talking to him. That's fantastic. It's like geek phone sex. Well, <laughs> uh, what's the Deckard gun wearing right now? <laughs> Could I take the handles off? <laughs> Everyone wonders if the inside is painted or not. <laughs> it's true. I bet your hoverboard they works on water. No, they wonder. If the <laughs> they wonder if the inside. Well, that's got to be. I mean, come on. Like, you must have your dream job. You get to. You get to make cool, nerdy stuff, and then you get to have people contact you and say, "Hey, that thing that you've loved all your life. Why don't you come see it before anyone else can yeah, see no, it?" Yeah, no. Pretty much. It's a. It's a totally insane. I'm. I'm stunned that you knew the guy that had the barrels from Jaws. When, oh that yes! Was amazing to me because that that's... was well okay. So I frequent this 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 group of prop enthusiasts called the Replica Props Forum, the RPF.com. Oh, the RPF. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, of course. This is RPF.com. Yeah, yeah. 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 This 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 forum is something like maybe two thousand posts per day on this forum. Whoa. In every category, paper props, costumes, props, screen use. Are, are any of them, I wish I had a wife? Or uh... <laughs> no, I, A lot of these guys are like stable. It's okay, some of them are real tools. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it. <laughs> um, but there's, it, you can choose anything from any movie and there will be the most intense fevered discussion about it. In fact, the Blade Runner gun carries this really intense history of fights and people being banned from forums for over-discussing it. What's the last serial number that can't be seen under the handle? Huge people representing that this happened, but it didn't, and then it being found out years later that they were lying all along. I mean, it's a... A level of esoterica I find so awesome! Do you... Do you uh... Much like Jonah was trying to fuck with my OCD in the microphone, do you do anything a little bit wrong on purpose and be like, here it is, guys, the exact replica, just so they'll be like, that's not it! <laughs> Actually, right after, right after I posted pictures of my first assembly of the Blade Runner pistol, and they saw it a few months before I blogged about it because it was still really rough, mm-hmm. one, of, one of them posted, um, uh, it would seem you have a... Three serial number Steyer, Mannlicher, Daimler, Pooch, Receiver, and only the fourth serial number Daimler, Pooch, Receiver is actually correct because of the six millimeter difference on the back. <laughs> he was right, and I was like, I do have a four serial number! That's when you wish it was just real, so you could kill <laughs> uh, No, I actually, as a prop builder, as someone who's actually done it for the movies, I'm a lot sloppier than the prop collectors on the RPF. They'll often... I was going to bring that up. They'll bring they'll they'll copy every scratch on Obi-Wan's saber. Well, what do they do about the raised proton pack in the first scene of Ghostbusters? Once get that scratch and they think it's a light, but it's actually it, the paint rubbing off? The proton pack is actually one of the best... That's true, everybody. It's true. I, the, the Ghostbusters forums... Yes. <laughs> are renowned for their openness. There's people that have done beautiful, like, comic book-like illustrations of exactly how to build your own out of everything from cardboard to the GBS. The Ghostbusters Forum. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. (laughs) From before, the thing. (laughs) I remember now. A classic acronym callback. (laughs) Solid gold. (laughs) Yeah. Were you you trying to do the acronym for classic acronym callback? Not that smart, not that quick. (laughs) All right. Uh... So, do you feel... Because, you know, it's funny. We're just sort of getting to the point where CG looks okay to me. 
You know, like I feel like before it was, oh, that looks good for CGI, but it's not great. I mean, I feel like there were probably, do you feel like there will always be room for model builders in the film industry, or do you feel, do you feel like, ah, fuck it, it's all going digital? <sighs> uh, yeah, I do. I mean, there are still people, there's still a veracity to something that's in front of you that you can't imitate. And there are, I mean, some of the best directors out right now who are enjoying massive success, people like John Favreau and Peter Jackson, both have huge respect for practical effects, things that are happening on screen in front of you rather than someone with a jumpsuit full of ping pong balls. Right. Um, Acting against a green screen. We're being chased by some kind of bird creature. We'll figure that part out later. Just we'll figure it, we'll, we'll, we'll we'll it in. But the other problem that happens with the CG is because it can be done cheaply, it often is mm -hmm. done cheaply. Oh my God! I couldn't believe, and I've not, I've not seen any of the, uh, the the chronicles of Twilight the Vampire. That's his name, right? Twilight. That's what I call it. <laughs> uh, I've not seen any of those, but I see the commercials, and I think this is a huge budget film, and the CG is. Shocking! Like the the like the wolf has no weight. Like it doesn't. The color doesn't yeah. match the lighting. Like why? Why does that happen? Well, you still run into problems where the people that make things move on screen, the animators, are still the ones that are really hard to get. They're paid well to animate really well for the best companies, and a lot of people are left by the wayside. Right. It's hard to animate. That's the hardest thing to do, whether it's CG or anything else. Like the cartoon wolf is really the biggest problem with Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I draw the line. <laughs> no, you had me at Weepy Teen Vampire. <laughs> and then you lost me at Crappy Wolf. <laughs> but you end up with some place like Weta Workshop, where they always they tend to really put in the time to make their CG stuff look beautiful and mm -hmm. fit what it's where it's going. Yeah. And they're not necessarily costing more than anybody else, but they're putting more time into it. And you know, that does end up costing more. So I think... I love that we were, we were talking a little bit uh, backstage and you were telling the story about the early CG Yodas. Oh. Well, yeah, I... Or, or Yoday, if anyone... <laughs> I was working... I, I, uh, I was a model maker on Episode 2, Star Wars Episode 2. And since we'd all had our dreams shattered by Episode 1... <laughs> <laughs> And there was no illusion anymore at ILM. Um, we, we followed the progress of some things uh, backstage, behind the scenes. And one of them was that Yoda was supposed to have this fight. And everyone was like, no way, Yoda's supposed to fight. How's he going to do that? And apparently the script said, the way Yoda fights is indescribable. <laughs> Lucas, what a scribe. If his script had been read for the Oscars, you know? <laughs> his fighting is indescribable. Uh, then that other guy pulls out his sword thing. But apparently, in lieu of dialogue, he just drew a guy shrugging. I don't know what that means. In the, uh, now, telling this story probably means I'll never, ever get hired by ILM again, but here goes. One of the early descriptions of Yoda fighting was that he had some move where he'd levitate sideways with his lightsaber in front of him and be able to like drill holes through walls oh. and apparently the first few people to see this animation were just like this <laughs> oh, this is gonna sink this is the I mean and I saw I talked to a couple of the guys who saw it right after they saw it they're like it's the worst thing you've ever seen <laughs> little did they know episode 3 was right around the corner <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> 
personally, I, I see a lot of upsides to industrial Yoda applications like drilling holes in walls. Mining? Mining? Oil drilling? Sure. I'm sure Coruscant needs to go deeper. <laughs> it's already so tall. <laughs> so they obviously scrapped that whole... They fixed it. I mean, it was a problem in... You know, ILM has some great animators, and I love watching Yoda. That's the one, one of the things I love in that movie is Yoda fighting. That movie, by the way, episode two and three, episode one does not, does not recover from this, but episode two and three are actually watchable if you change the language to French and watch them with subtitles. <laughs> Somehow that dialogue doesn't sound nearly as bad when you're reading it. <laughs> Me and my friend uh, Neil used to put on the movie Triple X with uh, subtitles, and it would sound like Vin Diesel was just reading the entire script. <laughs> I, I really highly recommend it. It just it doesn't seem like he's like, seems like you're reading it for the first time along with him. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. how to make that movie fun. Uh, <laughs> you've been trying to figure it out the whole time. Seriously! I haven't slept you for like house, six he's years. Got, he's, got, he's got blueprints with triple X and fun on the end and he doesn't know how to Strangle get there. From one place to the other. So, you, so when you, le you leave ILM and then how, I, I, I'm curious what the process like how does a show like Mythbusters get pitched? I mean, did they audition or did you pitch it? Or how no, it's it? not my idea. Uh, the show Mythbusters was pitched by an Australian producer uh, it was originally supposed to be a three-host show where the main host would be a hot chick. Oh, I've got a wackity idea. <laughs> it's like three people and one of them's a hot chick. And, and she would go around the country interviewing people about urban legends and when she wanted to test things out, she'd call up her boys back at the shop and they would build stuff. And yeah, you know, because girls can't do those sorts of things. <laughs> so you remember the show Beyond 2000? Of course. Oh, so Beyond so Beyond Production. I'm sitting in the park and I'm on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> GPS might fit on your watch someday. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Beyond 2000. So Beyond 2000 was the show that was that built the production company Beyond Production. Too bad they didn't predict the global economic crisis. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Oh. He got real. <laughs> And health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> Rape and crib death. Good night, everyone. <laughs> so beyond 2000. So beyond. Uh, they, having traveled around the world interviewing people, especially a lot of special effects artisans, the producer knew that he, he figured that special effects guys would be the best guys to build stuff for the show because they worked in all sorts of different materials and they were scientifically inclined. And he contacted us about sending in a demo. I contacted Jamie. And Jamie asked me if I'd be interested in doing it with him because he didn't think he could hold a whole show on his own. Mm -hmm. And I came into his shop with a digital video camera we shot for a couple of hours. I cut a 16-minute demo reel on my Pismo. Oh. And uh, they showed up three weeks later. They, re they restructured the show based on our demo reel. They were like, no, these guys could host it and build everything. And we, but you guys aren't hot chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and then some sad Australian girl got on a boat back to Australia. <laughs> I remember the most shocking thing I remember was coming home and starting to digitize the footage and look, watching the, the footage upload onto my computer and thinking, wow, listening and going, Jamie's actually really kind of compelling on camera. <laughs> I wouldn't have called that, but <laughs> the camera actually loves Jamie. Ja I mean, I, he has the most amazing, like, art commando aesthetic. <laughs> it's, 
And uh, you know, I, I don't I don't really know Jamie, but I when I came and had lunch with you at M five and. Uh, and he was just like, hello. And then that was it. I'm like, oh my god, he hates me. Like, he couldn't tell. Is he, like, what, what's, what's Jamie really? <laughs> you, oh, the stories you must have. Do, do tell. I always picture, I like, I invent this whole history for Jamie. And I imagine him as this, like, super fly pimp. <laughs> so I always picture whenever we're on location and we're in the hotel room, I always picture Jamie's going back to a room full of strippers. You know, <laughs> he'll be on the phone and be all like, hold on a second. Do any of you bitches want some food? Then <laughs> <laughs> he's like 145 years old. And, you know, we were we were at work the other day and I don't know, so from from some lunch truck driving by we heard this Calliope music and I was like you know Jamie's dad composed that <laughs> everything fits into the Jamie mythos and he's, he sits there and he goes I'm just standing here and somehow that's funny <laughs> best Jamie Heineman moment ever though uh, he does have a very dark sense of humor even though he doesn't understand it sometimes we're sitting around, we're talking about, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, Billy Bob Thornton gave this interview talking about fame. And he said, look, you guys don't know what it's like. You could be married to the most beautiful woman in the world and having sex with her could be like fucking the couch. And everyone's like, which he's tried. He has tried this. He said that about Angelina Jolie? Yeah. Oh my God. So I came into work the next day and I told that story and everyone went, oh, he said that about Angelina Jolie? And there's a pause and Jamie goes... My couch looked like Angelina Jolie. I'd fuck it. <laughs> and, then, and then he looks around as we're all like on one knee, unable to breathe. And he's like, what? <laughs> and then off he went to build a couch that looked like... <laughs> <laughs> Careful not to sit on Angelina's face. <laughs> uh, well, he, I mean, especially because that guy has such a specific look, I know we've talked to, like, people dress like him now, like, right? Don't super fans? We, we, had, we, had, a, we had an intern walking through the Castro district, district in San Francisco, what? which is where the gays com commune. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> commune. <laughs> and he walked past a guy in khakis with a white shirt rolled up here with a black shirt up to the elbows and big walrus mustache and the beret. And my, the intern said, you look like Jamie Heineman. And the guy said, that's what I'm going for. Oh. <laughs> we, got, we got a lot of, we got a lot of over the top gay fan mail in the early days. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine any gay fan mail would be pretty over the top. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie got one that said, Dear Myth Busters! <laughs> Your hands too. I want to suck that mustache right off your face. That's probably an actual... That's one that Jamie got. You <laughs> um, we were doing a bit. That was a real one. No, that was a real one. Uh, someone sent me a whole discussion on a bear site that said... <laughs> I, I, oh, Jamie's a total bear. They said, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't kick Adam out of bed for eating crackers, but Jamie, oof! <laughs> Wait, is that oof? He would kick him out of bed, or no, I he think really oof, like kick him like out of bed. Like he really like he'd tolerate me, but he really would rather have Jamie. Wow! So you're just a you're just a gateway cock to Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> he he got upset about it at first until 
it was, you know, he realized a compliment's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta take oh, darn it, I'm just going to take the compliment. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for thinking about me in that way. <laughs> how, did you guys, how did you guys meet? Jamie, gave me my, Jamie actually gave me my first job in special effects in 1993. Uh, I was working in theater, as I said, and I got a reputation for building weird stuff, and that reputation got to Jamie, who called me. And I came in with a suitcase full of crap that I'd built, and I ended up working for him for five years. That's awesome. Did he, was, was the beret? I could not believe it when I found out he had a wife. <laughs> I was like, really, seriously? Seriously? And that was like the okay. whole five years, that was the whole five years of working with him. He was like, really? Really? No, no really. Okay. Right. His wife is actually, his wife is a wonderful woman. She's actually a high school science teacher. Oh, really? Yeah. Please tell me she looks like a lady, Jamie. <laughs> not, not at all. Not at all. Okay. She's a beautiful woman. That's awesome. Well, so, like, when did you sort of realize, oh, fuck, uh, we have stumbled across a show that is enormous? Like, was it, because I feel like the show was a hit pretty straight away, right? It was, but it, I don't know. For us, the, you think some things are going to happen, like, really quickly. Like, people are going to start recognizing you. And the recognitions happen really slow for Mythbusters. Mm -hmm. Um, what was the first? I'm not sure if I can pinpoint the point at which I realized things had gone much farther than we thought. Um, there was the point at which we landed in South Africa and people came up in the airport and were like, Oh, I need busters. Hey, you going? Oh, wow. And that was sort of Australian, but. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, you're the girl we fired. Take <laughs> what are you doing here in South Africa? I'm um, trying to blend in. If <laughs> <laughs> you really want to upset an Australian, yeah. ask them if they're from South, South Africa, Africa or yeah. New Zealand. New, but South Africa's worse. It's way worse. I've discovered there's a hierarchy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. South Africa's, they're Belgium. Is it really? Yeah. <laughs> they're Belgium. <laughs> How to piss off an Australian on number 101 ways. Yeah. Um, so I know that you guys, you know, you're not... You weren't like act. I mean, you weren't like acting professionally like right before the show. You didn't have agents or anything, mm -hmm. I assume. So I'm sure Discovery probably really enjoyed that first negotiation process. <laughs> oh, really? A hundred dollars a show, and we can't ever do anything else ever again in perpetuity? Sounds good to me. Just so you know, Mike Rowe makes seventy-five dollars. <laughs> yeah. Oh my uh, God, MTV used to do that shit to me all the time. Really? Right when I used to work at MTV. Chris, get over it. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. This needs to be heard. I go home and it's just like my whole house is just all these drawings of MTV written in red on all the walls. It's all just pictures of Like in Dark City, there's just these spirals all over the wall. He can tune. He can tune. Do you ever party with Dan Cortez? No, I never never party with Dan Cortez. That bro seems... Although, listen to this, the last time I did a show here at Largo about a month ago, it was an Ed Helms bluegrass show, and uh, Tom Lennon was also on the show, and Tom and I went and had sushi across the street, and fucking, the restaurant's empty except for the two of us, and they sit, like, in walks Johnny Knoxville, and they sit him right next to us, and t Tom's like, how many fucking MTV personalities can they cram? <laughs> um, and also, Tom and I were going over our lines for the show, like we were supposed to do, so he was like, it kind of looks like you and I are in a gay fight right now. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but anyway, they would do that all the time where I'd be like, oh, will you guys cover incidentals in my hotel? And they're like, Bill Bellamy doesn't even get his incidentals covered. <laughs> and? <laughs> so it was 
like that? Did they say Bill uh, Bellamy doesn't even get his <laughs> There was a point, there is a point in every television show that becomes a hit where whether you have a contract or not, you're going to renegotiate. Right. And that point came for us at about the end of season two. And we had no idea what the hell we were supposed to do. We had just finished shooting Shark Week. Mm-hmm. And so we knew we were big because we... Shark Week. Shark Week. <laughs> and they hired... I try to live every week like a Shark Week. Every week! <laughs> and they hired John Landis to direct the Shark Week promo. Just like, Jaw- just like a scene in Jaws with the town meeting and the, the, the fingernails across the blackboard. Does the, does the shark turn around and go, Go away! <laughs> <laughs> It's a thriller video. It was a pretty big video, maybe you guys. Uh, <laughs> it cost a million dollars. A million dollars! A million. Wow. So uh, we had dinner with John, called us and said, well, we got called by his assistant. John would like to take you boys out to dinner. Ooh. And we were like, this John was the very first famous person we met during Mythbusters. And we sat down to dinner with him and we were like, what do we do? <laughs> we got this contract we don't want to sign it. We don't, we need an agent. Do we need it? John goes, oh! Well, yeah, they're gonna fuck you. <laughs> and you gotta resolve yourself. You're gonna get fucked. The best that you can hope for is to get fucked less. He said, you don't need an agent because you have a job. You need a lawyer. I'm gonna give you my lawyer and he'll take good care of you. That's awesome. And he introduced us to his lawyer. John is a god, and I will forever prostrate myself before his, uh, what do you call it, beneficence for introducing me. Oh, Tish <laughs> By the way, I just want to back up and point out how you got an applause break for getting an attorney. Like, you can't just get an attorney. You can't just dial dos, 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 dos. <laughs> The hunters of myths. Oh, the hunters of myths. But you don't really hunt myths. In South America we do. Wow. Did you, did, I, you, did you renegotiate and get rid of that folklorist? No, that wasn't part of a renegotiation. It should have been. Thank God. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. What a dick. It just was more efficient to shoot without her. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, you're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. I harbor no ill will towards Heather Rickham. She was very nice. Hey, this isn't the first time we had to give someone their walking papers, Heather. <laughs> Funny room for you in Brisbane, though. Nice. You know, Brisbane's also a town like five miles south of San Francisco. Yeah, I know. It works two ways, Adam. <laughs> All my references, I make sure there's an international one and a local reference. (laughs) Just like when I grew up in Memphis, also in Egypt! (laughs) You, uh... You're a phenomenal guest. I mean, I, I feel like we could talk up here for a while. I I did at one point kind of want to open up the floor to questions, though. Um... Would that uh, would that be all right with you if we if we took a hand? Absolutely. Or was there anything else that you want? There is nothing I'm not willing to talk about. 
Oh, I, I wanted to find out about Amazing Meeting. Amazing Meeting. Yes. Are you still? Amazing Meeting is James Randi's um, skeptic convention. I take it back. That was the moment I knew MythBusters was a real thing. I got a phone call from James Randi. Ah, uh, I love that. And he said, "Adam, it's James Randi." And I was like, more excited about your lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> James Randi, and he said, Lee, I love your show, and I want to bring you on to the amazing meeting, the skeptics meeting we have in Las Vegas. You're one of my heroes. And I was like, Randi, dude, I was watching Happy Days live in 1971 when you were on it, and did the milk can escape with Fonzie. <laughs> you were, I mean, no, it wasn't at the table, but I watched, I watched it as it aired. That was post-Shark, right? Po no, pre-Shark. Oh, really? I <laughs> feel like it'd be, be bad for the shark. Could be post-Shark. Hey, I don't want to sidestep, but I did happen to be at the Different Strokes taping where they introduced the Facts of Life characters. True story. <laughs> True story! True story of seven strangers. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> oh, I was not expecting to see a, a person appear there. <laughs> you scared the shit out of me, Jesse. around there. Uh, oh. Is that going to go on through the entire podcast? No. Has it been? No. Just for a minute. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Why wouldn't you tell us? Yeah. Just for a minute or 62. <laughs> Is it better now? Have we been recording this, by the way? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting it. Okay, good. Let me just try to fix it. Yeah, up. let's do it during the show. Why not? <laughs> Anything else? Is that okay now? So James Randi is the, is the founder of the James Randi Educational Foundation, which seeks to promote critical thinking in the world, and he hosts the Amazing Meeting in Las Vegas every summer. <clears throat> and I've been going for four years. I'll go until they stop holding them. It's uh, James, Randy's one of my heroes. I'm skeptical about that claim. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that James Randi, when he was in college, he, was give, he would give tarot readings for extra money, and he experimented by starting to give the opposite readings of what the cards were saying, and he said people always found a way to connect it to themselves. Whatever he told yeah. them, they'd be like, of course, that's why this or this or this. And you know, like, I guess that was part of what kind of launched him on this, this path of skepticism. And he also considers that he's part of a really important lineage, uh, starting with Houdini, of truly great magicians who are redefining their art form, and specifically as it's escape artists. I mean, Randy was the first guy to do a flaming straight jacket above Niagara Falls. He, you know, was the predecessor of David Blaine. And Randy... Ugh, David Blaine. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he feels like people who are trading on mystical abilities and charging people money for it are the worst kind of exploitative motherfuckers. Yeah. To put it mildly. <laughs> what, do you mean like magicians or do you mean like, like psychics? And, psychics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, psychics. I'm making air quotes now. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> um, so when... You, because you, you were also, a, you're also a magician, right? No. Oh. Well, it's, <laughs> I, I just want to read what it says on your Wikipedia page. Really? <laughs> you have a brother named Peter. That's <laughs> my Wikipedia page. I, I do have a brother named Peter, though. Oh. Whoa! Oh! Are you yeah. <laughs> rather than you just, rather than a spit take, you just did a punch take. I was out of water. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I thought I was clairvoyant. <laughs> yes. yeah. That's amazing. Well, I have someone, I've talked about this in the podcast before, I have someone, I have this back and forth with someone on my Wikipedia page where they uh, keep adding that I have a brother named Peter and they keep assigning him different roles in my life <laughs> and I keep, I keep erasing it. I gave up because for a while it was, 
he was another stand-up comedian. Then he played football for Baylor. Like all these weird <laughs> things. And I don't. What remember. if it turned out that it was actually your brother Peter that you didn't know you had? And that's how he's trying to tell that's me. That's how he's trying to tell you. And every time you delete it, he deletes part of himself. It's like Marty's hand. Yeah, he starts playing fucking. Ah. They kiss the dance, they will fall in love, they don't fall in love, they don't say Earth Angel starts to sound bad. Earth yeah. Angel. <laughs> uh, anyway. But it does say, it does say on your Wikipedia page, uh, designer fabricator, designer slash fabricator, magician. No, I, I have, I, I'm, able to, I'm able to count among my friends some really amazing magicians. Um, Penn and Teller, Jamie Ian Swiss, Eric Mead. And uh, I hang out with these guys as much as I can. They do insane things in front of you that just make you giggle uncontrollably because it's impossible. You stop, but you're giggling. <laughs> the masturbating monkey is universally funny. <laughs> <Bro>. <laughs> I play around with a deck of cards occasionally, but I don't do tricks. I, I, I did, I mean, you're, you're going to have to sit this story again. I hope you don't mind, because I told you the story at dinner. We were talking about Penn Jillette earlier, and the, one of my favorite all-time <laughs> stories is the Penn Jillette story. And since you're friends with him, I really want you to ask if it's true. But the story is that years ago, Penn was having a party at his uh, Vegas house, which I guess looks like a prison. Is that true? He has, he has a house that... It's, it's a unique architectural... I haven't been there, so I can't tell you what it looks like. Okay. But it is apparently quite unique. So he was having this party, and he has a lot of, cool, like, like, you know, an eclectic group of friends, circus people, all sorts of friends. And so uh, he has this animal trainer who's going to bring a chimp. And so he, the animal trainer says to Pendulette, Hey, listen, are there going to be any little people here? Um, A.K.A. Uh, midgets. All right. So uh, he says... Um, and, and Penn goes, uh, I don't know, probably why. And he goes, well, or you just gotta, I just need to warn you, there's gonna be a chimp here, and a chimp will attack anything that's its own height, so we just gotta keep them apart. So, so Penn, like the party starts, and all these people start showing up, and, you know, and walks one, a little person friend, and Penn's like, thinks it's a joke or whatever. He's like, oh, listen. Um, I'm picturing that it's Peter Dinklage in my head. Oh my God, yes, all right, Peter Dinklage. Or insert your favorite midget of choice. Uh, Peter Dinklage. I go Billy Marty. Uh, so anyway, in walks the little person, and uh, Penn's like, oh, uh, listen, by the way, this is uh, totally crazy. It's probably not a thing. But uh, I have a friend who's coming to the party. Uh, he's an animal trainer. And the guy cuts him off and goes, he doesn't have a fucking chimp, does he? <laughs> I will, I will find out. I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a somewhat related midget story. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, when I, I used to work at a funeral home, and... Uh, oh my god, his funeral anyway. home stories are... And he loves it. Like, when he goes home to Boston, he fills in part-time at the, at the funeral home, just helping out. Put the fun in funeral! <laughs> uh, but... Uh, so we're at the we're at the cemetery, and uh, Manny, one of the one of the cemetery guys that digs the graves, he says we're just standing there afterwards, make you know we make sure the graves filled in so no one steals stuff. Uh, so we stand there with them. Yes, while they're that's doing the it. minimum. Anyway, that's the minimum that guy's job is. Make right. Sure it's filled. So he turns. Uh, he goes. He just goes. Uh, hey, uh, can I ask you something? And I'm like, Yeah, what's up, man? He's like. You guys ever do a funeral for a little person? <laughs> and I'm like, 
think, and I, you know, asked my friend Joe, and he's like, and we're looking at each other, like, no, we never have. He's like, we haven't either, man. They don't die. <laughs> Midget always win in a chimp fight. <laughs> <laughs> Even without a face. Right. I have a Penn story. I was on Penn's radio show. We were talking about the specific psychic ability of cold reading. Mm -hmm. Supposedly learning all sorts of stuff about a person. But it's a bunch of techniques that anyone can learn that give you, you know, basically people tell you what you're telling them. You're, they're telegraphing it. They're, you're getting the information out of them. Penn was saying that they had shot a segment years before about doing cold reading, and they, they learn these techniques. And he said, I, he said, really, it comes down, cold reading comes down to just really looking at someone and listening to everything they're saying, really deeply listening to them. And I said, also a great way to pick up chicks. And he said, yes, exactly. <laughs> he said, the guy I know who is the most scoringest guy in all the world, like, I went to his birthday party, and like, three Playboy Playmates were ex-girlfriends of his, is Fisher Stevens. What? Oh, that's awesome. He did date Michelle Pfeiffer. He says, Fisher Stevens, when he looks at you, you want to sleep with him. He's like, <laughs> makes you feel like the most fascinating person in the world. He listens to everything you say. He doesn't have to look at me. <laughs> Pussy magic. <laughs> We talk a little bit about that, and I come back to the hotel room, and I tell my wife, Julia, about it, and she says, you know, that's funny that you say that, because when I lived in L.A. 10 years ago, I was in this corner store, and Fisher Stevens came up to me, and he was asking me about helping him pick out a wine for a dinner party he was going to, but he definitely was like a little bit catnippy. Like, he, he had a special thing going on. Wow! And I was like, wow, really? Like, direct corroboration. So I immediately got on email, and I wrote, Penn, check this out. Julia had blah, 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 blah. And Penn, who emails you back so fast, it seems like he's been watching you type, wrote back. <laughs> he fucked her. She just doesn't want to tell you. <laughs> Sorry, baby. <laughs> hey, wait. How about this? Let me pitch this idea to you. <laughs> now he's got an Oscar, so he just brings that around with him. It's yeah. Fisher Stevens week on Mythbusters. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta bust that Fisher Stevens shit so, wide open. Do you build a Fisher Stevens fucking rig? I just want to say fucking rig. I'm sorry. <laughs> how do you guys? Uh, who who designs the who designs the myths that you guys like? How do you? What, what's the meeting process like? Um, we. It's all over the map, but basically it starts with a story we know is going to be good. Like, I get on Twitter, someone says, dirty versus clean car. Dirtier car gets better gas mileage than a clean car because the dirt creates some sort of boundary layer. That's that more than 140 characters. <laughs> Actually, they did it within 140 characters. No, they said, dirty versus clean car. Dirty car, more aerodynamic because of golf ball-like effect. Whoa. And I have sat on endless plane rides having Jamie bend my ear going, mm. Well, I mean, what if that really does help golf balls slip through the air? Why don't planes have dimples on them? So I'm giving you the short version. Wait, I have, to, I have to tell the listener that you just made a hand mustache <laughs> that was enormous and also moved yeah. like the tendrils of the oud. It's, it's pretty <laughs> 
Doctor Who reference. If you ever if you ever find yourself spending time around Jamie, what's really fun is watching him eat something like a hamburger. Because <laughs> it's there's some real calisthenics involved with not eating the mustache. There's, there's lots of this action going on. He strokes it back. There's lots of. Um, Opening his mouth really wide so that I guess the stash will like comb the He's basically employing it like baleen on the <laughs> <laughs> where he's filtering the nutrients through his mustache. Exactly. That's fantastic. I grew my beard really long, uh, I guess this Christmas. I grew like I got a really full beard and I had to shave it at the point I was standing next to Jamie. We were having some story meetings and I was doing the same thing he was. And I was like, oh my god, I have to shave my beard. <laughs> You know you look like Jamie Heineman. That's what I'm going for. <laughs> Are you, uh, so, like, what what kind of stuff has it been? Anything that you really wanted on the show that Discovery's been like, no, or Jamie was like, this will kill us, or no? Okay, there is one that will kill us. Um, <laughs> liquid oxygen, like in the abyss, like in the yeah. No, liquid oxygen is in the abyss. Yeah. Oh, they, 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 oh the liquid, the the yeah prehensile water. No. Oh. No, 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 no. They, the way that, the way. The way that they're able to go down that far is because oh, they, they take no, in not that oxygen. not that oxygenated water. Oh, okay. No, actual uh, liquid oxygen, which is oxygen that's been frozen down to, I don't know, 260 degrees below zero. Oh. Um, and <laughs> it's... So, I don't care for this frozen water. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you, it's... it's so oxygen is one of the key components in things burning. Mm -hmm. It makes things oxidize. It makes them burn. And liquid oxygen does so like times a thousand. Yep. So you can take a, uh, a cloth rag and dip it in liquid oxygen and put it on the ground. And if you hit it with a hammer, it will probably blow your hand off. Oh, wow. That's how terrifying this stuff is. However, it won't do that predictably. <laughs> which means you either end up with an episode in which everyone's dead or nothing happens. Uh, so liquid oxygen's one we're just never. Then we have this myth about a you call it locks in the industry of gases. Uh, there's a, oh, I love the gases industry. <laughs> in the gas industry, there's a myth about a locks truck that spills over on a highway, and the the locks on the uh, uh, asphalt ends up turning the whole roadway into a bomb which I have no problem <laughs> believing is completely feasible and plausible and one of the most dangerous things you could possibly try and replicate. To flip a truck? No, spill hundreds and hundreds of gallons of liquid oxygen onto a roadway, which is made of petroleum product. Which oh, would... God, I'm an asshole. I'm thinking, like, locks, the Jewish fish meat? <laughs> <laughs> That's explosive in large quantities? Why don't more Jews blow up then? <laughs> I'm literally going through that. Process in my head. I think that there would be a truck full of it just being able to step over. I'm gonna run into canters and be like, stop! <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sorry. But the other things they don't want us to do are things that they consider too boring. I've long wanted to do a record album versus CD. Yeah. And now versus MP3. And I've built a whole experiment. You know, you do all this. High fidelity stuff like speaker cable versus lamp cord. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought you were gonna call your ex-girlfriends and say, it's "High fidelity stuff. Don't worry about it." What? <laughs> oh, yeah. Top five ex-girlfriends. That was you referring to? Whatever. All right. It's time. Nice. Move past it. <laughs> There's a hole in the show where momentum used to go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but they they don't want to do that because they think, it's think not... the high fidelity bits are too boring. And then we blow it up in the end. Yes! <laughs> yeah, but maybe we'd couple that with acoustic sound levitation. 
like, what the fuck is that? Apparently, there was some monks that were able to make those long horns. Levi- there was the one of the horns? theories of the pyramids that they used acoustic sound. Look at these big bricks and total bullshit. But it- <laughs> That's how they can built- do it with a ping pong. That's ball. how they built the pyramids. Yes. <laughs> the Tuvan throat singers were imported from China. They had Sepultura play with this everything. Uh, Jamie, are you all right? I'll be out in a minute. <laughs> it's a hacky joke. Don't applaud that at all. Oh, good, you didn't. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what is there? Was there anything else that you guys really? Anything else that you're excited about that's uh, that's coming up mythbusting wise? Oh God! Well, so you've, I don't know if you've seen the video of the impossible water slide. The guy that slides down the water slide on the grassy hill flies like 150 feet yeah. through the air into the little swimming pool. No, oh, it's, we, did, <laughs> we did that. <laughs> and it is. Uh, we just watched the rough cut about a week ago, and it's absolutely one of the finest episodes we've ever done, and repeatedly one of the most terrifying things I have ever done in my whole. Oh, life. you did it. Yeah. Where did you find the... We... The the innovation we came up with was that we didn't want to try and land in a small swimming pool because if we fail, we die. Right. Then the insurance company would never let us try. Right. So uh, I realized that we had just filmed out on a lake, this quarry lake, which is a man-made hole in the ground with no live fish in it, that would be perfect and had 24-degree hills coming off it. So we built this 190-foot water slide on this 24-degree incline and... Absolutely petrifyingly scary. How do you wait? How do you calculate like exactly where you're gonna land? Science and math. <clears throat> well, oh. have <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes more than the other, but wait a minute. You don't you don't just consult the flight elves who tell you. Where There's an app for that. <laughs> don't bring up the iPad. Damn it! I'm so angry at Steve Jobs. <laughs> Uh, so, did you actually land? Well, I mean, spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. What? No, you died? It's great. <laughs> Theoretically, maybe. No. Um, but we have, we, we got, there's this brand new camera that these guys make that is a HD camera. It's about this big and it's waterproof. And we use it all over this episode. We have these incredible shots. Uh, from our helmets, of our point of view, <laughs> sliding down the slide, which is the most scary thing in the world. And actually, speaking of that, and Jamie's mustache. <laughs> comes oh, did back he go, did he go down? Oh, he did too. Does he wear one of those '30s bathing costumes? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what I picture with a belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a bear. Like a bear. Does he ever stand like yeah, a bear? Exactly. Not <laughs> okay, a box of bear. Yeah. Before he works out with a dumbbell with just the big balls on yeah. the side. <laughs> Gentleman Jamie Heineman. <laughs> um, no, actually, to be extra slippery, we wore a wetsuit, and then on top of the wetsuit, we wore a full fetish latex coverall, <laughs> which made us extra slippery. Um, no, uh, so uh, the myth we did right after that was our new duct tape special. And our new duct tape special, I can't tell you what we did, but it involves this kind of very scary terrorizing walk with the helmet cam right above right above our heads and somehow the thing doesn't have a viewfinder so you just position it and hope you get something good mm-hmm. and the the view in this is the bottom of the you can see this coming the bottom of the frame is only Jamie's mustache <laughs> and and halfway through the walk you got to picture this he starts kind of hyperventilating and so his mustache is like <laughs> <laughs> 
like the sea anemone. <laughs> like a barnacle. And it's, it's so obscene. Jamie was like, they're going to have to cut that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I could fucking pitch an entire season of a show to Adult Swim called Jamie Heineman's Mustache. <laughs> that is just his mustache POV just <laughs> existing on his face. Like, that would be awesome. I'll show you. I'll send you a picture of it. Please Terrible. do. <laughs> um, so when is the is when 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 are these episodes going to air? The new season started airing last week or two, a week and a half ago. So this last Wednesday, Carrie Byron finally came back from having a baby. Yeah, she's so nice. Everyone on your show, by the way, is everyone is so nice, and that that's my favorite thing is when, is when you meet nice people because I already loved your show. Like you had me. <laughs> then you're and then you're all nice. I like Grant was the first one that I met on Twitter. He was very sweet to me, and I was blown away that he even knew who I was. And then uh, I opened for Joel McHale in Santa Rosa last year, and Carrie was there. Right. She was pregnant. So nice. And yeah, then no, I meet you, and then you're really nice, and, and then you meet Jamie, and you think he hates you. He hates me. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie's actually incredibly nice. we. We had uh, some hosts from another show come on set and spend a little time with us a few weeks ago. And one of the guys, with it, both hosts separately, said within about an hour, you guys really get along well. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, what's it like on your set? And they both used the same phrase. It's kind of like alpha male theater on our set. <laughs> everyone's yelling at each other all the time. And, you know, we... Our crew is just as excited about what we're doing as we are. In fact, at, after we did the water slide myth, we, we left and there was a cleanup crew to take apart the slide. They all took turns on the water slide. <laughs> well, I, I, think I've just, I think I've been extraordinarily lucky because I feel like this business should be fun. Like, you should have fun what you do. We, yeah. We're so lucky that we can do what we do and get paid, you know, like more than a, than a regular job to, to just fuck around. And I, I'm always <laughs> fascinated that people can be like, yeah, it's a fucking war zone on my set. Like, what are you upset about? This is the best scam in the world. <laughs> so I just, I want to applaud you and thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and then also, I want to, uh, what? Yeah, I'm going to go to questions. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah we're going to go to questions. I was going to say that out loud. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's How weird. dare you question me in front of company? <laughs> no! <laughs> you heard me. Like my tiny meerkat hands could do any damage. I avoided the one that was harder than the others. Everyone considered him the coward of the coward. <laughs> he gets all mad at the end. He tears apart those jerks. All right, um, I want to come around. Does anyone have uh, questions for, for Adam Savage? To, I see a hand. I see a hand too. I see. I see, I see a hand. And I see a fishing hat that I really like a lot. All right, what's uh, what's your? <laughs> no, don't move. <laughs> you wanna you wanna come out this way? Sorry to sorry to get in your way with my hosting. <laughs> what's your name? I'm Nick. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Great. Um, I've always wanted to ask uh, the Mythbusters if they'd be interested in doing a chemistry safety video. I'll take this one. Uh, <laughs> wait, a what safety video? A chemistry, a chemistry safety video. Have you chemistry ever a safety video. Yeah. Oh, we shouldn't be put in the position of actually instructing people. <laughs> we have no qualification to do that whatsoever. What do you have in mind? Are you in the market for a chemistry safety video? I've just been... I'm, every year, I'm, when I take chemistry, we have to watch a video. How yeah, many man, times have you had to take chemistry? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's really 
interesting, like, they'll show some ether being open, and then this guy goes up in flames, and, you know... Let it out, just let it out. <laughs> It'd be really cool if you guys could, like, test some of these myths, maybe, like, some of, some of the stuff that they're saying in these safety videos, like... So what he's saying is he wants to know if you will burn alive opening ether. <laughs> I, I'm sure we could make something like that hilarious. <laughs> if someone comes to us and has a great offer for doing a chemistry safety video, we'll do it. Make he no has mistake. a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> they love your lawyer. Lawyers, he, he is lawyers, lawyers, lawyers. Your lawyer is that good. <laughs> Very litigious audience. I just think that it would make that first day of chemistry class so much better if you could be watching the Mythbusters. I, I would love to make the first day of your chemistry class much better the next time you take it. <laughs> Thank hey you man, very much. Third time's a charm. <laughs> Wait, guys, it's gonna be good this year. Check out this fucking video. <laughs> well, thank you very much for. Uh, I gotta. Uh, we can talk some more if you want. Does anybody else have a question for Adam Seven? I see a couple hands over here. What's your name? Crystal. Hey, Crystal. What's going on? <laughs> is this uh, is this your boyfriend right here? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right. What's your, uh, what's your question? So my question is, is there a myth that you wish you just had never done, had never tried? What were we thinking? That kind of thing. Wait, if, if there was a... If there was a myth that you, that you wish you had never done. Wish we'd never done? That you were kind of like, what were we thinking with that one? Pyramid power. What? Uh, we, we did pyramid power, and I'm sorry. That was that was a mistake. We shouldn't have done it. It was a foolhardy thing that falls into the oogie boogie territory of like the Loch Ness monster and the Ouija board. It's it's all you're going to do is prove a negative. So we're not going to look for the Yeti. We won't ever do pyramid power again. Yeti doesn't want to be found. Yeah. Yeti will find you when he's damn good and ready. The Yeti is Chuck Norris. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, I see some question over here. Some question. <laughs> English, fun to learn. I see question over here, man. And chair, have hand can we, up. Can we get the house lights up a Turn little up bit? the house lights? Just so we can see. All right, never mind. Yes. There we go. All right. <clears throat> Come over here, sir, because I do not have the ability to phase through human tissue. <laughs> What's your name? Reese. Reese, how are you? Good. What do you do? I'm a lawyer. Hey! Yeah! Hatred have paid off. <laughs> you have hit the mother load. You are Fisher Stevens, and this show is. Uh, anyway, I was actually wondering how the tie-in with CSI came about because I remember watching an episode of CSI where they used the two tires to shoot a piece of rubber at a yeah. head and it knocked the head off, and I'd already seen it on MythBusters. I was like, you fuckers stole that from Mythbusters. But then I saw you guys on TSI later on. And then you also realize TVs don't talk back. Right. <laughs> the first part of that. Uh, that. In fact, actually, after they aired that, uh, that segment of that experiment, which I designed, I was really, I was thrilled to see it on CSI. And so I ended up getting a hold of their writer's department, and I talked to the writer of that episode, Rich Catalani. And um, we started a, a friendship. We, we did what you do in Hollywood, which is we sent each other a bunch of t-shirts and hats. <laughs> That's the Hollywood handshake. 
Um, and then they called us and they wrote this, they wrote this cameo for us where they, they, they pepper sprayed a guy and tased him and he burst into flames and they look over and Jamie and I give thumbs up. <laughs> um, we actually just uh, two weeks ago finished filming us testing that actual myth on Mythbusters. So we've now brought it full circle. Synergy! Whoa. I'm curious, how many effects wizards from ILM does it take to operate the puppet of David Caruso? <laughs> Five. You got, you, got, you got three just on the sunglasses. <laughs> Thank you. Was that, was that your only question? Do you, do, you, do you feel like your question was suitably answered? Yes, yes. All right, excellent. Um, any, other, uh, any other questions? Uh, well, she was first. I'm sorry. All right, I'll see if I can come over here and awkwardly lean over this lady right here. <laughs> Please tell me I'm the sexception in your relationship. If I ever meet Chris Hardwick, I can fucking write, yeah, of course. Uh, what is your name? Oh, Jessica, it's her fucking birthday! Yeah! Hey, Jessica! This is Jessica. I met her outside in the courtyard. She came here for her birthday. I feel like... We're sorry. I feel like we haven't given a special Nerdist podcast happy birthday song. I think you're Featuring absolutely Adam right. Savage to Jessica. Come, on, come here, Jessica. Come up here for a second. Come here. Come here. Come up here, Jessica. She'll never see the pig's blood we've put in the bucket above the stone. <laughs> They're all gonna laugh at you! They're all gonna laugh at you! Happy birthday! How old are you today? 18. Yes! Yeah! <laughs> I can buy you beer! Alright, um. <laughs> One, two. No, it was a thing. It was a thing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I wasn't smelling your hair. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jessica. Happy birthday to you. A special hug from Adam Savage. Hug him. Hug him. Yeah. Hug him. Hug him. He's a real person. Oh. Chris, I don't think we're allowed to sing that song legally. Can we? Oh uh, shit, you're right. That's just a random check. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, Let's have our lawyer ask. Can what, we have our lawyer? Song redacted. Yes. <laughs> a two little old ladies. We have to pay a royalty check for that song because yeah. it is a it is a song that is. Uh, what do they do at Chevy's? They sing something else. Oh my god, happy birthday. I hate my life so much I have to sing the song to strangers. And then uh, they say something in Spanish and everyone goes home. What, uh, what is your question? Um, is it, will you sing happy birthday to me? Because <laughs> that shit just got answered. Uh, I saw the TED talk and I was wondering what your next like replica project would be. Like, what my next what? Replica project, like the most important um, thing. Well, the Blade Runner gun's still ongoing. There's lots of new parts to make. You gotta uh, work out that four serial number thing that we talked about. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have, there's a whole bunch. I mean, there's really probably at any given point, there's a dozen. I've got a Blade Runner spinner sitting on the shelf. Um, I have mostly completed, at this point, a, a ZF-1 gun from the Fifth Element, one of those egg guns with like oh, 50 nice. barrels. Yeah. Uh, 
I built it in 3D. I've had parts water cut and aluminum and machined all the barrels and stuff and been working with... I actually have a friend online who I only met for the first time after about five years. We've been working on this project together for 12 years now. It's just, you know, an hour here, an hour there, and eventually you chip away at it. I'm trying to build Chris Tucker's haircut from the fifth element. <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of me wearing that hairpiece. Oh. <laughs> Schooled. <laughs> Can we put? That? I guess it's all been done. Can we put that on the blog? Or you yeah, I'll, I'll send that to you. All right. Thank you so much, and happy birthday. Happy I hope birthday. you had fun. It's so nice. All right, I'll take uh, two more questions. And we'll... All right, yes, you, madam. It'd be really awkward if it's your birthday, too. Oh, three days ago? Happy birthday. All right. <laughs> what's your name? Anna. Anna, what's your question? Okay, um, Adam, I have an eight-year-old son who is a big fan of yours. And in retrospect, I'm really glad I didn't bring him here, even though he really wanted to come. <laughs> Why the fucking cocksuckery? Don't <laughs> <laughs> you worry about that. I just, <laughs> before the show, Adam was like, can we swear because cocksucker is my seventh word in? <laughs> And he was right! I counted, uh, anyway. Uh, and incidentally, he also wants to grow up to be a Lego designer. Uh, but he is very talented in building things with anything he can get his hands on. And unfortunately, I'm the complete opposite. I'm lucky if I can put an Ikea furniture item together. We're all lucky if we can put Ikea together. Yeah, seriously. Am I right? <laughs> Fuck you, cartoon wrench. This doesn't fit, is what I say. desire and obsessiveness with building things, uh, hopefully without taking something really vital apart with my laptop. <laughs> how can you nurture her son, her eight-year-old son, who wants to be a builder and design things? How can, you, how can she nurture that as a parent? Um, there's a million ways you can do that. Take uh, apart his stuff all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he has no choice. You can have an Xbox when you put it back together. <laughs> Like that episode of Happy Days with Fonzie and the Motorcycle Legends. Um, oh, I thought I would get a bigger laugh than that. Um, I liked it, Adam. New best friend. <laughs> you know who would have liked that joke is your lawyer. My, uh, my parents were really good about supporting that desire in me. My father gave me lots of art supplies. Um, one of the more important ones was autonomy. And by the time I was 12, I was able to walk to the hardware store in town and use my dad's charge account <laughs> at the hardware store. I never, amazingly, I never used that to, I never abused that privilege. I'd spend maybe 15 or $20 a month at the hardware store. But I was able to go do that and do my own projects without checking with somebody, without asking them to drive me. When I moved into New York City, he also gave me access to his charge account at New York Central Art Supply, one of the great art stores of all time. And that kind of freedom, that kind of autonomy is really, really important. And I, you know, my kids, I, I, I really work hard. Every time they're interested in something, I put more of it in front of them. And if they take it and run with it, I just keep on putting more of it in front of them. It's going to be great when they figure out pussy. Whoa! <laughs> flag on the play! Flag on the play! There is a flag on the play! I'm done talking now. <laughs> well, hopefully your question was mostly answered <laughs> until we were brutally dropped in an ice-cold pussy bucket by <laughs> Matt Myra. 
Uh, well, thank you very much for coming and happy happy late birthday. One more question, you guys. One more question. One, one more, or no more questions. <laughs> no Behind you, Chris. Behind you. What? Schwa? Oh, sir. Schwa. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what's your name, sir? My name's Carl. Hey, Carl. What's your question? Uh, I have a question on the Mythbusters. Have you ever done a myth where you've discovered something and go, oh, maybe we shouldn't show this on TV and show everyone how to like, you know, beat the radar or something? We usually, the question about myths that we wouldn't want to show people how to do something dangerous, we, we usually peg those long before we do them. There is a story which we still haven't figured out a way to do, um, which is gun silencers. <laughs> they're, they're, there's actually, it's actually quite fascinating how they work and there's a, it's absolutely, they don't sound anything like they do in the movies, but they do cut out a huge amount of the sound, there's a lot of science to what they cut out, they're not made for making guns silent, they're usually made for actually keeping people from hurting people next to them with muzzle flash, etc but you can't go near this episode and we could get flash suppressors and silencers and stuff to use on the show. We could get those permits. But you can't go near that episode without doing homemade silencers, without shooting through a two-liter soda bottle or a potato or a pillow or all these other things that are purported. Potato! With an E. Oh. And we, we can't, this is one where we absolutely, we wouldn't go near silencers unless we unless we were going to talk about that stuff, and we can't figure out a way to talk about it without demonstrating it, so we're probably not going to get around to that, unfortunately. And you don't want to change the name of Mythbusters to, check this out, terrorists! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Thank you, thank you for your question. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to have a huge round of applause for Mr. Adam Savage. <laughs> I, would, I would like to thank you guys for coming out here tonight, for paying money to be here live. Please have a hand for Jonah Ray. A hand for Matt Myra. A hand for Largo. And um, our next show will be May 11th. Uh, we'll be featuring uh, Mike Furman of Hard and Furman. Paul and Storm will be here. Uh, and also Tom Lennon of Reno 911. So that's May 11th. Come back for that show. Thank you so much, you guys. Good night. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.